Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Design Hustle podcast. This is an initiative between Design Hub Kampala, MasterCard Foundation, and the Innovation Village. We're all about telling the stories of entrepreneurs and their entrepreneurship journey. Without further ado, here is your host, that is me, Patricia Peel, a multi-passionate creative purposepreneur, a designer, storyteller, life coach, and the founder of This Is Me. Tell us about Rachel, who she is, what does she do? Okay, no no pin numbers, right? No, 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 no okay. pin numbers. <laughs> so uh, my name is Rachel Winnie Kangumba. I am an industrial designer and civil engineer by profession. Mm. And uh, I started a studio in uh, 2012 called Leaves Arts and Animation Studios. And what it does is it creates uh, short animated stories, uh, both in 2D and 3D. Yeah. And uh, also does a lot of graphic design as the main um, breadwinner kind of thing. It, it's the main honor within the country. Okay. We, we, we needed to find our relevance before we started diving into what we really wanted to do. Mm. And then find, uh, the very final bit of it is industrial design where we use uh, 3D design to develop products uh, for 3D printing. And uh, mainly like that's it, for 3D printing, prototyping, uh, functional parts. Some parts are just purely um, ornamental. Others, it's a work in progress. It's like they want. They, maybe we have a client who wants a new switch on their on a different type of torch they're using. Yeah. So we go through we go through the process of just designing it and finding out maybe is, what is its tactile function? Will it work? How can it be produced? Will it break? Those kinds of design-based questions. Mm -hmm. And in summary, I think that's pretty much it. So what we do is uh, let me just break it down into four things. We do graphic designing. We do uh, illustration design, illustration and animation, industrial design, and finally uh, design mentorship because we know that we cannot be the only people doing this. We shall definitely need a workforce, yeah. and the only way we can get it is by training it. Wow. How did you get into this? I've tried to summarize. <laughs> How did you get into this? Because I'm listening about this, all about design, mentorship, animation. How did you get into all of this? How did I get into it? How did I get into it? Mm. Uh, to begin with, I knew that me being employed was going to be the greatest headache on us. Okay. I, uh, so I got, I graduated in uh, 2011. Mm. Okay, uh, the, the year ended in 2011, but we graduated January 2012. And uh, I was retained as a, a teaching assistant at Macquarie University. Mm. So I kept teaching and most of the students kept asking me, those who were then in third year, second year, first year, and the course was in uh, Bachelor's of Industrial and Fine Art, they kept asking me, so from here, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And it became a very hard question to answer because I personally did not know what to do. If the university had not retained me, I'd have had very many question marks. Yeah. So that led to me, you know, starting to go out and... Uh, and just start looking for work. You know, the normal way, knocking on doors, being told uh, you'll will give you exposure. You know, those things where yeah. you they give you exposure, and hopefully exposure can go into the bank account and all that. <laughs> and so it became really tough. But you, I had this thing on. I had this thing backing me called uh, being employed by the university. 
but then not everyone was going to have it. So that's how I started, just by going to different businesses and just asking them questions. For example, um, do you even need a graphic designer? Yeah. What do you think about design, about artists? And so I would always have these lead questions, and I told them, so if I came to you with a good folio, mm -hmm. would you hire me to do work for you? And I just kept asking that question as many times as I could until I got a good number, a good number being 20. 20 businesses or individuals saying, if you, if you brought in a good portfolio that resonated with what we do, we would hire you. So that was just the first thing, would, we have, would, would I be hired? The next, the next part was where, um, you know, what, what I would say, the Holy Spirit comes in, yeah. and that's the part where they talk about prices. Yeah. Remember, I had no clue about pricing, so that's when I started doing logos for, I'm very ashamed about for saying this, You'd do a logo and you'd get paid 50,000 shillings or 100,000 shillings if you'd turn that into dollars. It sounds even worse. <laughs> but at least it started growing. Yeah. So, uh, and then they kept referring me because they liked the fact that I actually got to them and spoke to them and just asked them questions. Like, would you, if you were to get a graphic designer, what would they do? What would they do? But then that wasn't my true calling as a graphic designer. That just wasn't it. There's this whole side of me where um, I'm a tinkerer, I think, by default. I'll tinker. I'll just break things apart just to know how they go back together. Yeah. The industrial design part. I did not go to university to study fine art or graphic design. I went for industrial art and design. So there's this other, this other whole side that I, I was neglecting. And so I took the same approach and kept asking now manufacturers, because they're the ones who, knew, who use industrial design a lot. So I asked them, would you work, like what would it take for someone like me with my experience mm. or my degree to work with you? And then they just kept telling me. They, they, they don't hold this information. They tell you because they want you to get out of their face really quickly. Yeah. So they'll give you all this information. So now I was armed with a lot of information and I uh, started that little company of mine. It did start in 2012. And I just kept going to these, back to these individuals with, this, with, um, with portfolios I hoped would look good for them. So what I would do, that was definitely a lot of late nights, a lot of creating fake clients in my head, you know, creating briefs. Yeah. So on, uh, on Google, there's, there's, some, um, there's some sites where you can just drop in your ideal kind of job, so, and then it generates a brief for you. Yeah. So you have what would be known as a pseudo client, fake client, fake real client, but you're still doing work within a specific time frame yeah. just to build a portfolio. So armed with these portfolios and going back to these people, they kept these people are individuals and companies, they kept sending through work and then I started getting overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then I needed people to work with. But I was not ready to get some, I was not ready to wait three years for someone to get the experience I had for three years or two years and then employ them. By that time, well, that time has already passed. So what I decided to do was add on design mentorship yeah. such that I could teach whoever wanted to learn. I could mentor them and then create a database of people who I can call on to, you know, talent that I can call on to when the jobs come through. Mm. Uh, I'd say in hindsight, I did not see this, but that enabled my business to be scalable. If I need 100 employees, I can have 100 employees tomorrow by calling on them. Mm. If I need only three employees, well, we scale down. So that's how, that's how I found the people. That's how I, that's how I get, because uh, I know there's a question in there that may be like, how do you actually get people? How do you actually get work? <laughs> so I was trying to summarize all that in a nice storytelling kind of thing. Yeah. 
I hope I'm being clear. You are. You're being yeah. very, very clear. And thank you so much for being so honest about it. Wow. Has there yes. any been any challenges? Would you care to share? You know those challenges that keep you up at night and you're like, my God. Do you have vodka or coffee near you? Because these <laughs> challenges and problems are big. I have chai next to me. Don't you have chai. Are you seated? Yeah, I'm seated. Please sit. Make sure it's you know low, lower <laughs> to the ground, not these high seats. You can still fall off them. Okay. Okay. So challenges. The biggest one, the largest, at the top of it all, mm-hmm. is I'm a woman in a male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. So you'd get in there and they would ask you, "What the heck are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? Aren't you supposed to be doing other simpler things?" Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons as to why my one of my my, my business partner is a guy, yeah. is, a, is a friend of mine called Patrick Tumwesije. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for all those for all those clients or meetings we get into and you just feel like the testosterone level is uh, <sighs> higher than Mount Everest. Uh-huh. Yeah, I tell Patrick, please take the lead on this one. I have no problem with you taking the lead because it, the business is ours. Yes. But then there are those times where where Patrick maybe is attending because right now uh, we we opened a branch in Cape Town and so that's where he he's currently uh, situated. Okay. So that leaves me to fend for myself. Yeah. And it's really tough because you get in there and you now have to learn how to navigate, um, getting business, mm. uh, talking through egos, yeah. and finding how to get to the and uh, finding out how to answer this question and the question is. What will it take for us to be able to work together? You know, how to reach that question faster. Yeah. And um, sad to say, but as a woman in the field, when you ask that question, you can get very many kinds of answers. Some of them purely explicit, others downright uh, degatory. Yeah. And some will be like, we'll give you the work, but the price that you've quoted, we're going to only half of it. So, you know, you you try, you, you really just... Uh, I have a lot of mathematics and gymnastics happening in the brain, in your brain, in your mind at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, other challenges are like lack of, uh, so for 3D printing and 3D design, we use a lot of materials mm-hmm. and most of this material is imported. So we have high, high taxes. They're just so massive. Even when we have uh, discussions with DRA about it, mm-hmm. they say this is an emerging, uh, it's an emerging field. They have no idea where to put it, so we're still going to be taxed. But for that for that one, what we have done is uh, we are cur- we during the lockdown we did get so I do look out for funding and different uh, opportunities that help us build machines. Yeah. So during this second lockdown, I sent one of my employees to Nairobi to help build uh, a machine that would help turn um, these usual PET bottles, these plastic bottles, yeah. into 3D printing uh, 3D printing material. So he'll come back in about three weeks' time with the ma- with the machine itself. Okay. That way we won't be able, we won't need to import everything. Okay. Uh, other challenges, other challenges, other challenges. Uh, became a became a workaholic. Um. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard to to get into the whole creative industry. It's young. You're really trying to build it up. You kind of you kind of de- you develop tunnel vision and kind of forget that you're also a human being. Mm. So I did work three years straight, no leave. Oh, yeah. And mm. until 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 I asked the question, who exactly am I working for? Yeah. Yeah. But that self-realization, that that's the part that uh, if you're not aware of it, you forget about it. Yeah. Uh, other challenges, definitely. Um, like we need laws that help us 
policies that actually help us, you know, intellectual property. Because yeah. um, when we're handling a lot of design, we handle a lot of intellectual property. Intellectual property that um, if, if we could get funding just based off intellectual property mm. and research and development, actually, no, if we could get uh, funding off intellectual property, we would have better research and development and better products. And that would better things such as our manufacturing. It would make have uh, get us having better designs. It would make sure that our animations and stories that get out are well refined, and uh, well looked through, such that they're they, they're sellable, they're marketable, and they they are they they have the potential to stand the test of time. You know, they age well like fine wine, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but yeah. without any of that, without any of that, then we are prone to having half-baked things. Yeah, I think you've seen them on TV. You have some animations that come out and you're like, who did this? I think exactly. maybe they're half Or there are some books you read with poetry and literature and prose and, and it feels like it was a draft, but all of a sudden it's out as a final copy. Mm-hmm. Or you have products that come out and you use them and you're like, but whoever designed this, did they really think about the user <laughs> or were they just thinking about making the money? Yeah. You know, answering such questions, um, if if we indeed had uh, policies that backed or that favored um, scientific research and research and development uh, and uh, inter- using intellectual property as um, as uh, mainly for funding as a as a what as collateral, yeah, would have a lot of would have a lot of invention and innovativeness happening, and I think would be able to answer the questions based for Uganda, East Africa and Africa at large, more would have more fulfilling answers coming through, more pro answers for the kind of generation that we have, the kind of materials we have available, the resources available, rather than doing what we usually do, which is uh borrow an idea or or try or get something that isn't necessarily meant for the population here and then trying to force it on them. That leads to a lot of heartbreak really. Wow, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rachel. Just now yeah. to the final question. What's Ask. in the horizon for leaving the We have opened offices in Cape Town. Uh-huh. I'm just excited. Uh-huh. No, for Cape Town, we opened quite a... For, for, Cape Town, <laughs> for Cape Town, we did open, we did, we did open in uh, 2014. Okay. So it's been there a while. Okay. And that one was purely because, Patrick, uh, it wasn't... Inten- it was it wasn't planned. Patrick had wanted a trip to Cape Town and when he got there, he's like, I don't want to come back. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just open the same business that side and pray to God we know what we are doing. Because yeah. none of us are business, none of us are business oriented. Yeah. We're all on the skill side. Actually, on back on challenges, just one more thing would be maybe uh, a holistic kind of education in the business of design or the business of the creative industry, since it's mm-hmm. quite a large industry. Yeah. If enough could, if enough individuals, oh, if enough individuals could learn um, or learn to teach the the business side of it, yeah. then I think would be would have. Would have happier bank accounts. URA would definitely be happy, and I think would have a better would have a better economy, really. That's true. Even the perception towards creatives would be very different. Oh yeah, it would. Come on, I'd be I'd have creative on my gate. I'd be like creative. <laughs> on the gate. I'd be like, have you seen the gate with the word creative? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, that's where I stay. That's. Where I stay. <laughs> Uh, by the way, sorry, I do have, I do speak with a lot of humor. I have no idea how not to speak this way. You know, yeah. that's how we want it. You're raw and authentic. We are happy. So, uh, what's on the horizon? Yes. 
um, what's on the horizon is definitely we are going to keep going with our mentorship programs. Okay. Because why not? Why 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 should we hold the information we have? You know, when you when someone dies, you know, you just die with the info. Mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather it goes out, you know, grows wings, legs, whichever it is, evolves and and uh, helps those who need it. I don't want to hear of someone going through 10 years of experience, yet I have 10 years of experience. Use my 10 years of experience. Like, take it yeah. and now keep going. Yeah. Um, what else we have on our horizon? Uh, we are slowly turning into a purely industrial design company. We love the graphic design. We love the animation and storytelling. But in all honesty, we have reached this point where um, we are looking at at taking like two months leave at least mm-hmm. or at most whichever of the two it is yeah. and uh, just focusing on one niche we can't do everything okay so yeah so the company will uh slowly will, will break into uh, about three other companies okay. and uh, I'll, I'll i'll still be me and patrick will still be um major shareholders mm-hmm. but we'll definitely be hiring uh what are they called? MDs? Yes. MDs and CEOs? Those, those, those things? Yes. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> we'll be hiring those ones uh, such that we can focus just on one area. Me personally on industrial design, Patrick on uh, media, so that's the whole animation, illustration bit. Mm. Um, what else do we have on our horizon? Definitely building a lot of uh, machines to help us with um, the whole plastic issue we have coming up. Okay. You know, plastics are everywhere. So we are just we're building we're de- we're building machines to help us build different plastic products. For example, you know, instead of if if you put on glasses or shades, is there like a shade shades glasses? You, you get what I'm saying, right? Those frames, right? Yeah, there are frames you'd have in mind. So just just imagine this, being able to walk into a place and learn, learning how to make the frames of the shades that you want to put on or the frames of your prescribed glasses or, um, you know, designing chairs, but all of that is from pla- uh, recycled plastic or even going as far as designing um, portable microscopes for schools mm-hmm. such that they don't have to spend 300 or 500,000 on one microscope and they can spend under $30 to get a fully functioning 100% recycled microscope that can help them with their biology exams or classes. Yeah. And these are things that can be built into, let's say, study kits and sent to different homes such that maybe kids can learn from home. Yeah. So we're really trying to adapt a lot. We're still, we're still being heavily innovative. I do not know how far into the future I should be looking, but that's really where I am at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are as a business. And... Um, Anything further than that, I would say I would need, uh, we would have entered miracle territory <laughs> for me to see that far. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but also trying to make sure that a, a good chunk of our business, 80%, is remote so you can work from a tree, you can work from the swimming pool, just don't get electrocuted. Mm-hmm. You know, those things where you just work from somewhere peaceful and comfortable for you. Yeah. as compared to uh, coming to the office and just 20% which would mean anything or using the machines that's that's what stays in the office okay. yeah thank you so much Richard. it has been just so nice listening to this story and where it is you're going with it. and you are so right the message is most important and I'm thankful that you've taken the lead on that yeah thank you too 
Thank you for listening to the Design Hustle podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Design Hub Kampala, Mastercard Foundation, and the Innovation Village. So please check us out at designhubkampala.com. Till next time.